0: Welcome to InsideCatholicPhilly.com, the weekly survey of news in the Philadelphia Archdiocese. I'm your host, Gina Christian, here with Matt Gambino, the editor of CatholicPhilly.com, and we're taking a look at this week's top stories. Thanks so much for spending a few moments with us today here at CatholicPhilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian, here with our editor, Matt Gambino. Great to have you with us. Hello again, Gina. We're also delighted to have Kenneth Cavera in the studio with us. Kenneth is a seminarian at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in Winwood, Pennsylvania, where he's in his second year of theological studies, and he's studying under Father Thomas Daly, who is the John Cardinal Foley Chair of Homiletics and Social Communications at St. Charles Borromeo. And Father Daly, for our attentive listeners is also one of our regulars on this podcast. And in fact, he's here with us now somewhere out in the studio audience. So we welcome Father Daly and of course, Kenneth. And as we continue our Lenten journey, Kenneth is here to share with us his takeaway from the gospel for the second Sunday of Lent. So Kenneth, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you for having me.
0: So before we dive into the gospel, where are you from, Kenneth?
1: I'm from Westchester, my home parish is St. Agnes.
0: Great. So we had Austin here last week, who is also from Chester County. So we've got the country crew There
1: are a lot of good things going on out in Chester County.
0: Beautiful country out there. Yes, it is. Beautiful. Well, welcome. We're glad to have you here. So let's see how the Spirit speaks to us in Scripture this week. Matt, what's the gospel passage for this Sunday?
2: The passage is taken from the Gospel of Luke in the ninth chapter, and it's the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus is transformed on the mountain, and there Jesus is speaking with the prophets, and they're talking about his exodus in Jerusalem that will be coming. At one point, Peter speaks up, and a cloud comes, and it's God saying, uh, Gentlemen, zip it and listen to him. That's
0: the literal translation, Something
2: right? Something like that. And they do become silent and they listen to Jesus. So
1: that's the setting for reflection.
0: All right. So Kenneth, how does the scripture speak to us today?
1: Well, just as we alluded to, our Lord brings Peter, James, and John up the mountain and we too are called to ascend the mountain. And we've entered Lent and we began with a consideration on Ash Wednesday of how we're returning. To dust but Lent is just not to think about death but also the hope of the resurrection of the future and so as we saw our lord in solidarity with us in the desert in temptation now he's showing us what's ahead and saint paul puts it so well because he says he will change our lowly body to conform with his glorified body so one we have a revelation of who christ is but that's going to have implications for us because we're in relationship with christ we're creatures and we're related to a creator And as we alluded to as well, the conversation is about our Lord's exodus. We should pay attention to that word because exodus can mean death, but it's also pointing to a liberation as the Israelites were saved in Egypt. So one thing that we should take away from this is a sense of reverence. We heard in the gospel for the first Sunday how Satan showed Jesus all the
2: kingdoms of the world. And now we have this image of Jesus being transfigured and a dazzling image. Spielberg moments in the gospels right now. It's kind of fantastical, but what What does the response of the disciples to this moment tell us, maybe about our own selves and our own journey? Right.
1: Very clearly, Luke records for us that they were frightened. And a lot of negativity gets associated with being afraid. But when we see other manifestations of the divine presence of God, The natural reaction is to be afraid because one thing we see our own unworthiness as Peter sees, but we also see how small we are, right? In the presence of something so pure, so beautiful. And it's hard for us now today because we don't necessarily see that presence, but we do come into contact with the Lord, with divine presence when we come across his word and also the sacrament of the Eucharist. And so our response is one of reverence and reverence doesn't mean only the externals. In fact, that can be problematic, but it can also inspire others. There's a great story from Thomas Merton in his autobiography, The Seven-Story Mountain, and it recounts how when he was kind of drifting and searching, he came across a church in Manhattan, Corpus Christi, and he was struck by all the people gathered there in reverence, in quiet, before mass. So Perhaps in this Lent, we're focusing on prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. But in our prayer, we can think about, how am I receptive to what is taking place in Mass? How am I listening to the Word? How am I approaching the altar for communion? Because just as St. Peter felt unworthy, he was afraid, we also exclaim, Lord, I'm not worthy to receive you, but only say the Word and I shall be healed. So the good news there is that our Lord wants us to come and wants us to be transformed by Him in a different way than the Transfiguration but in a real tangible, sensible way as we receive communion each time we attend mass.
0: And that's something, that sense of reverence that I think is so badly needed, there's a terribly jaded tone. You had mentioned Spielberg. We're so used to visual effects and special effects and we almost take it for granted. How do we get people reconnected with that who may be so jaded and may not see the tremendous mystery and incomprehensibility that is God?
1: And it is not something that will just happen. We have to work for it. So one, I think we just have to make a distinction that reverence reverence isn't waiting for something but it's going towards something and we can enter into reverence honestly by occasions of silence where we can find them that might be in a commute to work that might be extra effort in attending mass with an understanding that what is taking place here is transformative so just the interior intention start there And then I think gradually we move into more of an interior disposition that can receive what is being spoken to us in the liturgy of the word, and then what we receive in the liturgy of the Eucharist. I
2: find it interesting that reliance on silence, which is really how our passage in the gospel ends, disciples being silent. And so trying to find that period of silence in your day or throughout the day, if you can, how important that may be.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Kent, for sharing your insights with us. You're in our prayers as you continue your journey through Lent and on your path to priesthood. God bless. Thank you so much. God bless you. And for more on these and other stories in local, national and world news, as well as features on sports and culture, visit us online at catholicphilly.com. Thanks so much to Matt Gambino, the editor of catholicphilly.com. I'm your host Gina Christian and until next time, may God bless and keep you.
2: This episode of Inside Catholic Philly is sponsored by the Basilian Spirituality Center. The Basilian Spirituality Center, located in Jenkintown, was founded in 2000 to bring Christ's praying, healing and life giving presence to all God's people. Rooted in the spirituality of St. Basil, the center is a hub for Catholic activity in the Philadelphia area. Our spring 2019 program schedule includes an open house on January 30th, a retreat for caregivers on March 23rd, and faith formation meetings on Tuesday evenings during Lent. Find us on Facebook or at stbasils.com.
0: This podcast has been a production of CatholicPhilly.com, music by Dustin Taylor Phillips. For more information, visit us online at CatholicPhilly.com.